Hello, and welcome to ASCII's podcast show, Can We Talk? Conversations in Early Childhood Education. In today's episode, a conversation with a preschool speech-language pathologist, part two, you'll hear Yvette Soriel from ASCII continue her conversation with preschool speech and language pathologist, Jacqueline Vigdaniello. This episode will look at how preschool speech-language pathologists work with educators, resource teachers, and school boards as it relates to families with children with language needs. In episode two of our podcast, Jacqueline answered questions about the role of a speech-language pathologist, language development, second language learners, language delays, and how and when to connect with a speech-language pathologist, and dispelling myths around children's speech and language. We hope you enjoy listening to this part two today. Hi, Jacqueline. It's nice to have you back. Hi, Yvette. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So on the last time we spoke, we chatted about infant toddler preschool language development, and we'll continue to do that a little bit. But we focused on the role of the preschool speech and language pathologist, working with parents through diagnosis, what the speech language pathologist supports look like and what are how are they available to families who may have concerns about children with speech and language delays and we also played a fact or fiction game so we thought we'd have you back so we could dig a little bit deeper about children with special gifts so tell me what does an intake look like for a child visiting early work an intake versus an initial assessment, I'm going to kind of explain the difference between the two because I think sometimes some people use the word intake for that initial assessment appointment. Each of them are by definition, okay? So Elaine is our intake worker. She accepts emails or calls from families and we'll call them back to book an appointment and to obtain some basic demographic information and get a sense of what the family's concerns are around speech language communication. Families can either make a referral online by visiting www.ascii.ca and then following the prompts for speech and language, or they can call Early Words directly at 905-381-2828, extension 224. After Elaine reaches the family to obtain that information, she will then book an assessment with the speech language pathologist. That often happens virtually, at times, we do do it face-to-face if need be, if it seems that that would be the most appropriate way to assess a child, if there may be other areas of concern. And once the speech-language pathologist does the assessment with the family, we often observe virtually or in person. This is called informal assessment, where we watch the child play and interact with their caregiver, which is usually the parent. And we watch how they speak, talk, reach, look. There's a lot more to an assessment than just words. 
If time permits at the initial assessment appointment, we may administer a formal speech or language test, but often at this initial assessment appointment, it, the purpose of it is to answer questions that the family has, determine if there are concerns around speech and language development based on the norms that we refer to and based on our clinical observations and knowledge. And then we can offer some treatment strategies right on the spot, something to give the families at that initial assessment appointment to help them with their child's uh, speech, language, or overall interaction skills. And the other point of the initial assessment is to determine appropriate programming options within the early words system. Let's say then you've identified that there is a need. Mm-hmm. What does therapy generally look like and how does it evolve for parents whose child have been diagnosed, let's say, with a speech or language need? For children who are age two or younger, and we hope to get those children more and more. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, that the early childhood educators should know is that and parents should know is that a doctor referral is not needed to refer to early words. Oh, okay. Okay, that's extremely important for families to know, because if they have concerns, they can refer themselves. So for children who are age two and younger, we offer a lot of early language parent programs as a first step to provide parents and caregivers with important speech and language stimulation ideas for their young child and support these parents to implement these strategies within routine activities at home. The most important vehicle for change in a child's early language development is providing support to the parents about ways in which to stimulate their speech and language development based on the child's profile. So these parent programs consist of workshop sessions, which are usually about two hours long with video examples, slides of content information. And many of these parent programs are now provided virtually after COVID because it's just kind of the way that evolving. A gift of COVID, really. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And it makes it more convenient for families to be able to attend if they're able to stay home. So I guess what you're doing is you're giving the families an opportunity to build a a strong language environment so the child can build their language skills. Is that correct? Yeah. And as they're sort of the, because they're with the children day in and day out, if, or, you know, with the child care as well, but if they're with the child day in and day out, that's sort of helps them develop optimally. Uh, it's basically a strength based approach, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the changes that I have seen in parents and their child is astonishing sometimes when the parents are really um, involved. And the Learning Language and Loving It program, Yvette, you're very familiar with. And yes. that was that was one that we did lots of years ago. I'm not sure, but that's for the early childhood educators in the daycare environments. And yes. I'm hoping we still that, do them. Yes. Oh, yep. Now, are you doing them now? Or are you going planning on doing them more after COVID's completely over? Or it's actually offered virtually now 
One. another gift of COVID. Yes. Uh, yes. Because it's, it's nothing like learning in the comfort of your own home and the integrity is still there in the program. So we definitely have that available to educators, that child who has a special language need support would cross over into the child care center and those educators who took learning language and loving it would absolutely know the the course that the parents have taken so they it's consistent for the child throughout the day mm-hmm. yeah i see mm-hmm. what you're saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that would be fabulous so that's for the children who if a child is referred to early words closer to age two and a half They then wait on our waiting list for an assessment. And by the time that they're picked up and programming occurs, often the parent program options change over into something that's more like a group or individual treatment session approach. How is the preschool speech language pathologist programming shared with early learning centers as a bridge to service for children and families? So... Usually these children who, some of these children have diagnoses, some of them have only been in an early learning and child care center for a short amount of time and may just be starting to get to know the staff, but often these children are involved with the resource teacher at those centers And if we do know that often, we will try to reach out to the resource teachers because the resource teachers are the contact person at the center who may know that child well and can share our goals with the early childhood educators directly. In some situations, we call the early childhood educators directly and we may provide programming ideas over the telephone. Many of these children need visual supports and that's where a resource teacher is really helpful because that person would be able to help provide support and understanding of how to use visual supports in the classroom. And how does the resource teacher and early childhood educator work in conjunction with early words? So I guess I need to back up just a little bit because it's important for professionals out in the community, especially early childhood educators, to know that there's two avenues of treatment programming for children who come into early words. Sometimes when we do our initial assessment, the purpose of the initial assessment is to determine if there are concerns around speech and language development, what kind of programming options to provide. But sometimes we see that there may be a need for a child to go what we call level two. A level two child may need to be referred over to the Ron Joyce Children's Health Center for a developmental pediatrician consultation. If we think that there may be concerns in other areas of play, there might be behavior concerns, maybe querying cognitive issues. We are not qualified to diagnose anything like that. So if a child comes in and we do our initial assessment and we feel that a transfer over to the level two system over at the Ron Joyce Children's Health Center is appropriate, we have early words speech language pathologists right over there who provide programming within a team approach that way. The children who stay involved with the early words level one approach, level one system are children who 
appear to have speech and language only needs. There may be some minor concerns in other areas of development, but those children are often the children that we see for direct treatment. However, having said that, we also do provide early language parent programs to the level one parents also. And that's a very important thing to remember that early language intervention happens most in the child's home or childcare environment. Did that answer your question, Yvette? Yeah. So, yes. So our level two clients, do they generally go into childcare as part of that bridge or a, a community system approach? It's often recommended. Often those are the children who have been diagnosed with autism, who need that social communication environment to flourish, to develop those skills. If a child is having concerns, the level two system will often um, help support the family in finding a childcare spot. The goals within different environments. What do families and educators need to know about transitioning children from early words supports to the school system? Generally speaking, they would benefit from knowing that when early words has completed their service plan with the family, we obtain consent to share this information with the school board, usually via a report or a meeting if need be. That's for the more involved children who may be considered level two and that the transition occurs over the summer slash early fall if a meeting is needed. But it's usually just via report and communication as per parent request and consent to share the goals, progress, needs, with the professionals who will be providing support to the child within the school system. What happens to a, a family that want to continue services? Often those families will require private practice, speech language pathology services. There are limited supports for children in the school system, unfortunately. So if we do need to discharge them from our level one service, let's say they received a few sessions within their JK year. Upon discharge, we provide them with the private practice registry information through the Ontario Speech and Language Association so that they can access those supports if they prefer. Thank you, Jacqueline, for spending time today. Oh, you're very welcome. <music>